Tonight's lesson in our series on the three angels is lesson 16. We're looking at washed for the kingdom. We want to be washed and be able to start a new, fresh, and clean life as Jesus wants for us. So before we jump into our lesson tonight, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this evening and for this opportunity we have to study your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be upon us here tonight, and please bless our study time. Help us to know more of you, to know your wonderful love and your transforming power through Jesus Christ, your Son. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing in this, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question I have for us to think about as we're getting started is, have you ever wished you could start over fresh and erase your past mistakes? <laughs> I think most of us have had times in our life where we, we think, yeah, could use an eraser. <laughs> like to fix that, <laughs> fix a few things. But in life, of course, we just don't really have that opportunity to go back and change the past. But of course, the Bible gives us hope for the future, telling us that we don't have to be held to our past through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God takes care of that. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel that we can put all of our hope in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. In this lesson, we're looking at how people connected with God as a response to hearing the good news, hearing the gospel. And, you know, it's one thing to believe, but it's also another thing to really connect with God and follow His Word, follow what God says. I mean, the devils believe and they tremble. <laughs> They don't fully believe to where they follow God. Um, but the Lord calls us to believe and have a faith that, that moves us, a faith that, that leads us. And so we want to look at that faith experience in the gospel today and look at God's call again in the third angel's message, in particular, the first angel of the three. So let's take a look at Revelation 14, verse 7. Revelation 14, verse 7. And it says there, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And the, the first verse of this, verse 6, tells us about the everlasting gospel being preached to all the world. So God wants the everlasting gospel to be preached to all the world. And as part of that message, it tells us that we're living in in the hour of God's judgment. And there is something we see also in connection with this. We've looked at the judgment before, but let's take a look for just a moment at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. Revelation 3 and verse 5. Here the Bible says, in the words of Jesus, He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Notice this being clothed in white raiment, being clothed in white garments. And what do these white garments represent? Well, this is also in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. If I could have a volunteer reader for that. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you very much. So here the Bible says that, that the saved were wearing white robes. And it was asked, how, pretty much how they got these robes. They're arrayed in white. Where did they come from? And he says, These are they who came out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The only way to have a white robe, the only way to have a, a uh, past that was very dark in many respects, cleansed away, is through the blood of Jesus. It says they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It's through Jesus. It's through His gospel through the power of Christ, that we can experience and receive and have those white robes. 
So we want to connect with Jesus. He's the only way. We want to believe in the power of the gospel, believe in the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. We want to put our faith and trust fully in Christ and fully in the good news, the gospel. So when we look at how people were receiving the gospel in the first century, how people were having this kind of experience where they would be cleansed from their, their past sins and begin a new life, we see a number of, a number of uh, experiences throughout the New Testament where this experience is demonstrated. There's a lot of examples, a lot of persons who went through this experience of being converted, giving their lives to God, and following His way, and being cleansed, being made white in the blood of the Lamb. So the first verse we want to look at here is Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, looking at the ministry of John the Baptist in the first century. Would you please read for us verses 1 and 2? In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. All right. So the Bible tells us that John the Baptist came preaching. And what was he preaching? He was preaching the Word of God. He was preaching the Scriptures. He was preaching about Christ coming, about the Messiah coming to cleanse us of our sins. And so John had a hope-filled message. But you know, he didn't only preach about Jesus coming. He first of all started with the fact that all of us are pretty wretched and miserable. He started out by preaching the truths of, of who God wants us to be, who we're called to be. Because only when we recognize who God calls us to be can we recognize what we're not supposed to be. <laughs> we recognize that, wow, we've done wrong. We have sinned. We are guilty before God. As we learn about God's righteous ways, the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts that there's a need for a transformation to take place. There's a need for a change of the heart to take place, not mere modification of the, of the outside behavior, but a whole change of the heart that also changes our behavior. You start from the inside out. This is how the gospel has always been presented from the scriptures. And when we look at John's message a little bit more and the experience of people there, Notice what we see, verse 5 and 6, and this is how it reads. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now the reason, of course, they are confessing their sins is because they were convicted of their sins. As they heard the gospel being preached, as they heard the truth being preached, they realized, wow, we have done wrong, and yet God loves us and He has a plan for us if we're willing. And so they recognize God's love. They recognize God's plan of salvation. We know very clearly that John the Baptist preached about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they were confessing their sins because they were convicted of their sins. They realized that they had sinned, and they realized their need of the Savior, their need of the coming Messiah to cleanse away their sins. You wouldn't realize you had a need unless you experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then you would start confessing your sins, realizing, yes, in fact, I am a sinner. Yes, in fact, I have done wrong. And specifically, these are some of the ways that we've done wrong. We, we recognize that because God, God puts it on our heart. He convicts us of those things. That's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, as John 16, 8 tells us, that He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So people came confessing their sins, they were convicted, and they repented of their sins, they turned away from their sins, and they chose to follow this coming Lamb, Jesus, and be baptized. Why would they be baptized? Why would they go in the water? Obviously, it's related to their faith. It's related to their belief, their experience, and connecting with God. They know that God is calling them to a life that is going to be made clean and washed by the blood of the Lamb. So they wanted to be baptized as, as a way to seal their decision and really receive the cleansing that Jesus gives. Water is the perfect representation of cleansing, isn't it? 
It's the perfect representation of cleansing. And so this is why we have the ordinance of baptism that they were practicing right here. And then we see later Jesus and his disciples practiced it. And we're going to read some more texts very soon to see Jesus' plan for baptism. As a matter of fact, let's go on over to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Here we look at the words of Jesus just before he ascended back to heaven. Jesus said to his disciples in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. First of all, that's very important that all power is given to him. Because some people may say, don't do that. Don't preach in the name of Jesus. Like we see the religious leaders in the first century saying to the apostles. They said, don't preach in the name of Jesus. And they said, well, who should we follow, God or man? You be the judge. Because God told them to go and preach. Jesus told them to go and preach. So we take our orders from Jesus. Verse 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told his, his followers to go and teach the gospel, to preach the good news, and to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. More modern translations say the end of the age. And it's essentially the same, the same meaning, the same understanding. It can be translated either way. It's the end of this, this sinful age of earth's history when the Lord comes again. So Jesus tells us that he will be with us to the very end and that this is his commission for his people until the end of the world. That they are to go and preach and teach the gospel and to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So baptism is very important. Baptism is, is at the heart of the gospel message. As the good news is preached in all the world, then the response to the good news or the message of the gospel is baptism. To receive what Jesus is offering us by faith, we are to be baptized. This is exactly what Jesus was pointing out here and teaching, and we see this in other places as well. Now, as we look at the apostles going out and carrying forward this great commission, let's take a look at Acts chapter 2. This is as they began their work. They were going out to preach the gospel. As a matter of fact, this was their first big opportunity to preach the gospel after Jesus had left them on the work and they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, Peter was preaching the gospel and the disciples were, were translating this message, the other disciples with Peter. They were sharing it in a bunch of different languages. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak those languages. And then we see there in Acts 2, verse 37, exactly what the message was that was being given. Verse 37 and 38. Could you read that for us, please? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. So there in verse 37, the Bible says that the people were pricked in their hearts. As they heard the gospel being preached, the good news being preached, they recognized that they were sinful. They recognized that they had crucified the Son of God, and they felt suddenly this guilt, this weight of guilt crushing their soul because, wow, they had, they had sinned terribly in what they had done. These are the very same people that had been chanting, crucify him. Maybe not all, but there were many people there that day who had also been at the crucifixion of Jesus. And they held a lot of guilt in this, in this process of putting Jesus on the cross. So they asked the question, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. The word repent means make a U-turn. Turn away from the sin and follow Jesus. So it's a change of heart 
It's a change of mind. It's a change of your life, which corresponds to your, your heart and mind. So your life direction changes that you want to follow God and surrender to Him and not follow the ways of evil, which are totally contrary to God. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel message. How do we respond to the message when we're convicted of our sins? How do we respond? Well, very clearly, we are to believe. Uh, they obviously did believe. And they were told to repent turn away from sin, and it's God who makes this possible, even to have repentance and have, to have a new heart. That's a work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And yet we need to make a choice to surrender to the voice of God. God has given us the ability to make choices. He wants us to, to willingly surrender and give our hearts to Him. So they, they have chosen here to repent. They're called to repent. They do repent because you read the rest of the chapter and we realize that they made that decision and they were baptized. So he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and they will be blessed with the Holy Spirit. This is how people were receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus told us in John 3 that we need to have a new heart. And that's really what this is about, being born again. Those are the words he especially used in John chapter 3. He said, we need to be born again. You see, their heart was changed that day. They decided to live a new life. They experienced something in their hearts, being born again. And in John 3 and verse 5, Jesus says, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. And this is what we see right here. We see water baptism and we see spirit baptism. Both are referenced right here. In this chapter, he says, be, be washed in the water, be baptized, and also you'll receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, baptism of water and baptism by the Spirit. And Jesus mentions both of those as well in his teachings, throughout his teachings. So, what is the saving element in this matter? The Bible says we are saved by grace through what? Faith. Through faith. Thank you. We're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2 and verse 8. We're saved by grace through faith. But the Bible tells us that faith that is a living faith has works. Faith leads us to take action. So we need to have faith. And let's go look at Mark 16 and verse 16. Because this is another very clear place in the Gospels where it describes the, the message of the Gospel, sharing the Gospel. As a matter of fact, Let's read Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. Can you read that for us, please? He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Thank you. So Jesus says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news to every creature, to every person, Verse 16 tells us, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be condemned. So you notice that the saving element here is faith. If you were to be baptized without faith, if you're just doing it because somebody else is doing it, you're just doing it because someone told you you should do it, you're just doing it because someone forced you to do it, uh, you're just doing it because you think that it would be, uh, you know, maybe for your advantage, like politically or socially, it would be for your advantage. That's not really the right reason. The right reason to be baptized is because you believe. It's because you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You trust in His salvation. If you're just doing it for all the wrong reasons and you don't actually have faith in God, it's about the same as getting wet. It's like hopping in a bathtub, you're getting, getting wet. But when you have faith, when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you believe in Him, you trust in Him, you trust in His promises, and you want to experience the forgiveness of Christ, the cleansing of Christ Jesus for sin. Then it makes all the difference in the world. Because Jesus says here, whoever believes 
and is baptized. Notice they hear the gospel, they hear the good news that, that Jesus came to save us from our sins. They're convicted of sin, obviously. They want that salvation through Jesus. And it tells us here that, that people believe and they're baptized. Belief, faith is what drives the action. Faith is what leads us into that experience of baptism. We must choose as an act of faith. And that's why he points out the converse side, he that believes not shall be condemned. He'll be lost. Because no matter what, if you don't believe, then you're not saved. So if we believe, then we will take the, the step of faith in baptism. We'll take that step of faith. That's, that's very necessary to the experience. Some people say, well, I believe, but do I really have to be baptized? Well, if that's the question, then I start to wonder, do you believe? Do you really believe? Because if we believe Jesus, then we believe his word and we want to follow his word. And Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So Jesus wants us to be baptized, but as an act of faith. So if we say, I believe, but I don't want to follow what Jesus says, that's not a true belief. You need to be converted. Your heart needs to be changed. You need to surrender to the will of God and be baptized as an act of faith, as an act of belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we receive the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in many respects, baptism is like a marriage ceremony. You have two people who love each other. They want to spend their lives together. They have love and trust for each other. They have good faith that they will have a wonderful future together. And even having all of those things, they still choose to get married and have a commitment and spend the rest of their lives together. They don't just say, well, we have love and trust, so it's enough. Really? Okay. No. <laughs> I heard a no. I heard a couple no's. That's not how it works. If you, have, if you have love and trust and all those things, you need something else. It's called commitment. And it's commitment that takes place in a ceremony before witnesses. It's a commitment that, that happens before God and happens before community. And so when you think about baptism, it's very much like that. Because first we believe, we trust in Jesus, we love Jesus, we want to be with Jesus. We say, Lord, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Jesus says, that's great. Then will you be baptized and follow me? Will you be baptized and follow me? Will you make that choice and commit your life fully to me? And so God asks all of us, he calls all of us to that full surrender to him, to make that commitment, to say, Lord, I want to be with you for the rest of my life. And certainly there will be plenty more growth that happens on the other side of baptism. Some people say, well, oh, you know, I'm not perfect. Okay, but where do you start? You start by coming to Jesus. You start by repenting of your sin. You start by being baptized. You're, you're beginning the journey with Jesus. And this is also true in marriage situations, isn't it? That you weren't perfect the day you said, I do. You're still, you're still working on it. You're still growing in your relationship. You're still working things out to, to achieve oneness, to achieve unity. Just like we want to be one with the Lord. We want to unite with God. And so there's a very special connection between those two things, baptism and marriage. They're very much related. Now, some people will ask, what about that thief on the cross who died next to Jesus? Didn't Jesus say that he would be saved in the kingdom, but he never got baptized? You know, his case is a little bit unique, isn't it? He believed by faith, and he was saved by faith, and his faith had actions. But guess what? He was nailed to a cross. So how is he going to get down and get baptized? He had no opportunity to be baptized. If he had an opportunity, then surely he would have been baptized. Surely he would have been. So it's different. If you don't have an opportunity, like the thief on the cross, he was still saved by, by grace through faith, which is the case for anyone. But he didn't have a chance to get to the water. And God understands that. If we do have a chance to get to the water and we don't want to go to the water, that's a different story. 
isn't it? That's a different story. Luke 7 and verse 30 tells us about some people who were in that very same situation in the Bible. Luke 7 and verse 30, I'll read it here from the scriptures. This is what it says. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. Notice that these persons rejected the counsel of God against themselves. They did not want to be baptized. They heard the message of John. They heard what he was preaching about the coming Messiah. They heard about their sins and that they needed to be baptized and washed and cleansed of all their sins. But the Bible says they rejected the counsel of God against themselves. They did not want to follow God's counsel. They wanted to follow their own way. So they said, no, I'm not going to surrender to God. I'm not going to be baptized. That is a different story entirely than the man on the cross who couldn't get down to be baptized, but he believed, and he surely would have been baptized if he had that opportunity. So there's quite a difference in those situations. That's right. So why don't we go to Romans chapter 6, and we'll look Romans chapter 6. I hope, I hope somehow that story has provided hope for somebody that, you know, that, that maybe they, they wonder, well, what about somebody couldn't get baptized or, you know, they died, something happened. And I've heard, by the way, of stories of people who were nearly on their deathbed, but they believed in Christ and they wanted to be baptized and they actually did get baptized. I've heard of a number of situations where this is also true, if possible, uh, they really wanted to do it. So, looking now at Romans 6, we're going to look here at verses 3 and 4 to understand better about baptism. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Do you have that verse for us? For don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as, the, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There you go. So the Bible says, yes, amen. The Bible says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So you wonder, what is this experience of baptism all about? Well, we're baptized into the death of Christ. And notice here, how it describes it more. Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Does baptism involve a burial? Yes. It does. It does. It involves a burial. We're going to look at this in just a moment. The Greek word baptizo actually means to immerse, to plunge underneath of the water. There's a watery grave that takes place. The Bible says we are, we are baptized into death his death and it says that like as christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life notice there's a death to self there's a death to sin there's a death to the old way of life these are things that should happen in the conversion experience a choice to follow christ and not follow sin a choice to leave the old life behind that we're coming up from the waters of baptism to walk a new life with Christ. That we want that new journey, that new path with Jesus Christ. This is what baptism symbolizes. And it tells us there in verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So death, burial, and resurrection are symbolized in baptism. Verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Baptism represents a very pivotal point in our journey, that we are choosing to no longer live a life of, of sin, of disobedience, of breaking God's commandments, but we are choosing to surrender our hearts to God and to live a new life in Christ and to be cleansed from all of our sins in the past, to be washed 
from all of our sins in the past and now to live a new life, a new experience together with God. That's beautiful when you think about it. It, it is that new journey of life that happens in Christ Jesus. So baptism very much symbolizes a washing away, a cleansing of the old way of life, and then the starting of a new focus in life. This new journey is to seek God and to seek His holiness. So many people have, have thought about baptism as, uh, you know, in many different ways. They've Especially if you look at the history of the church, especially in more modern times, people have tried different forms of baptism, like sprinkling, pouring, oil baptism, rose petals. Some people have tried baptism through the mail, all kinds of, all kinds of things, all kinds of gimmicks. I'm sure that would smell good with the rose petals. But when you, when you look at the Bible, though, there are not really all of these methods that are available. There's only one that's pictured in the Bible. There's only one method that we see in the Bible, and that is baptism by water. Yes, baptism by water. We're going to look at a couple verses to show this, to demonstrate it. First of all, Hebrews, not Hebrews, uh, uh, sorry, Ephesians. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Let's take a look there. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look there at verses 4 and 5. Who can read that for us? There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Thank you very much. So the Bible says there is one body and one spirit, and we have one hope of our calling. And in verse 5, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So how many different kinds of baptisms do we see in the Bible? One. One. <laughs> One baptism. And the Bible also clarifies what that baptism looks like. For example, we can read John 3 and verse 23. John 3 and verse 23. And I know that there are some translations and some languages that, that get some of these verses wrong when they refer to baptism. They, tr they actually translate it at, with, a, with the word of sprinkling and, and that kind of thing in different languages. But let's take a look at what this actually looks like in John chapter 3 and verse 23. The Bible says in this verse, And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem because... In other words, here's the reason why. The reason why John chose to baptize in Anon near to Salem, it says, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. What is the reason that John chose this specific place to baptize? There was much water. There was much water there because there was much water. In other words, biblical baptism, the one baptism that the Bible talks about, it involves much water. Now, you do not need much water to sprinkle somebody. You do not need much water to pour a little bit of water over somebody. But you do, however, need much water to practice what the Greek word baptizo actually means. The Greek word baptizo means to plunge under the water. It means to immerse fully under the water. So when you think about baptism representing a death, burial, and resurrection, then it would make perfect sense that we go down under the water and then we come back up out of the water because when you go under the water, you have to do something. What is that? Hold your breath. Yeah. Hold your breath when you go down under the water and then you come back up. You have to hold your breath. That means a cessation or a ceasing of the rhythm of breathing. Right. And this is, what happens, this is what happens in death. If you're not breathing, you're not alive. In this case, you're alive, but you're just holding your breath. But it represents a death, burial, and resurrection. It also represents a complete cleansing. Can you imagine? Jesus says, I'm going to give you a couple sprinkles. Imagine that your children are out there playing in the mud or playing in the dust. They're playing out there in the dust in the yard. They're covered from head to toe in dust. And you bring them up to the house and you say, look, you're really dirty right now. So I'm going to make sure that you get clean. Okay, let's bring a dish of water. We'll get some water and then... Choo, 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 
we'll just sprinkle a little bit of water on this dusty and dirty child. <laughs> How's that going to do? That's not going to work very well, is it? <laughs> no, you'll have a big mess. <laughs> it's not going to clean them. What do you need to do? You've got to scrub them from head to toe. You've got to cover them in the water, get them wet, wash them all over the place, and soap in them too, so that everything is clean. They need to be completely cleaned. And this is what baptism is about, a, an entire cleansing, an entire transformation of our lives, an entire death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus did not just get sprinkled when he came off the cross. Jesus went into the grave. He went into the tomb when he came off the cross. This is what Jesus did. And so we are called to enter into that experience. Now, the Bible tells us that the apostles also baptized this way. We have the story of the Ethiopian eunuch who was baptized, went down under the water, came back up out of the water. In fact, all the references we see in Scripture, it was described exactly that way, that they went down under the water and came back up out of it. Now, what's very interesting is that full immersion baptism was practiced even in the Roman Church, the Roman Catholic Church, until the 13th century. But they decided to start doing sprinkling and, and pouring, even though it's not in the Bible, because they were teaching that babies, if they're not baptized, they'll go straight to hell when they die. And so we have to sprinkle them or baptize them as a baby. Well, you can't just put a baby under the water and immerse them. So they were doing that. But this is not what the Bible says, and we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more in a, in a minute. So it's very sad, but men, by their traditions, have turned away from what the Bible says. They have turned away from what Jesus taught, from what the apostles taught, from what John the Baptist taught. They just turned away from the message that we find in Scripture. And we've been studying the Bible long enough here to know that it's important to follow the Bible, isn't it? Yes. It's important to go by, thus saith the Lord, for what we do, and not just trying to go about it our own way, according to our own limited carnal reasoning. God gives us a specific way. He says, this is the way, walk ye in it. Walk in God's way. Don't just follow any old idea or thing that comes up. So let's go now to look at Jesus, the perfect example for all of us. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. It tells us there in Matthew chapter 3 about the baptism of Jesus. Can somebody please read for us those verses? Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying... I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Thank you very much. So as we look at this baptism experience of Jesus, Jesus came to John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist was thinking when he saw Jesus, Lord, you want me to baptize you? He said, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said, let it be so for now, because this is the right thing to do, to fulfill all righteousness. There are some different reasons that Jesus chose to be baptized. I think one of those reasons is probably because of some people like the thief on the cross who could not have a chance to be baptized. Another reason why Jesus would be baptized is as a, an example for us, because we are to follow Christ. And if Jesus was baptized, then we should be baptized. Now, we have even a greater need, really, to be baptized. Because Jesus, as John clearly pointed out, Jesus was perfect. He was righteous. He was sinless. He did not need that kind of cleansing and repentance. But one of the interesting points in Scripture is that before the priests would go and serve with the Lamb's blood in the temple, they would actually wash themselves in the laver in the courtyard. 
And Jesus is represented in Scripture as being our heavenly high priest and also being our lamb. So Jesus being washed by the laver in the courtyard before going to take care of the sacrifice with the lamb, he was the lamb, is very symbolic. It's representative of what the priest would do. And then Jesus went back to heaven to minister on our behalf before the throne of God the Father. So it's pretty incredible when you think about how significant the baptism of Jesus was. And Jesus is telling us that we need to be baptized. Now the Bible explains how Jesus was baptized in verse 16. It says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up, uh, sorry, went up straightway out of the water. So when he was baptized, Jesus was baptized. The word again in Greek is baptizo. Jesus was baptizo. That means when he was immersed, when he was plunged under the water. Now the Bible says when he was baptized that he went up straightway out of the water. If you were being, if, if you were being sprinkled, if you were being sprinkled, then you wouldn't have to come up out of the water because you'd never be down in the water. And yes, to answer your question, he, he did not stay in the water. He went down and was baptized and he came up out of the water. <laughs> You'd have to. Oh yeah, but he died. He went down under the water and he came up out of the water. So the thing is, if Jesus was being sprinkled or if Jesus was having water poured on him, he wouldn't have to go down into the water at all. He would just get on the side and bring some water, bring me a bucket of water and, and sprinkle me. But that's not what it was. The Bible says that Jesus was baptized and then he went, went up straightway out of the water. To be able to come up out of the water, first of all, he had to go down into the water. So the question is, how was Jesus baptized? He was baptized by immersion, just like the Greek word means, baptizo. There's a story of a, of a couple gentlemen who were sharing, sharing a, a cup of uh, coffee and a donut. And they were in, they were in, I think they were in Greece. But one of the men, one of the men was, was a Greek man, and one of them was a guy from America, preacher. A preacher and he, and he asked this Greek man he said hey can you please explain to me the word baptizo from Scripture and the Greek man said sure that's easy and so he took his donut he broke it in half and he stuck his donut straight down into his coffee and then he pulled it up and he said I've just baptized this donut I've just <laughs> baptized my donut so it means to plunge under the water it means to immerse that's exactly what Jesus did here. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God descended like a dove upon Jesus after the baptism. So you have water baptism and spirit baptism. Now, was Jesus already filled with the Holy Spirit in many respects? Yes. But you know, after his baptism, there was a special anointing of the Holy Spirit, an even more powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when you read the the following chapters that Jesus was led by the Spirit of God to the wilderness and he was led by the Spirit of God to go and preach the gospel and he began visiting all the different synagogues and places of worship to where he could preach the good news. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit in a very special manner for the work of ministry. So to be able to share the good news in a special way to do ministry for others we need to experience baptism first by water and by the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Very, very important. Jesus did that and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father was well pleased with His Son. And He says that for us too today, doesn't He? This is my beloved Son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. Absolutely. Very well pleased. So what should come before baptism? Well, we pretty much looked at what Jesus said to go and teach all the world. We looked at belief. The Bible says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So belief is important. In Acts 8.37, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch asked the question, what does hinder me from being baptized? And he is told, if you believe, you may. So what comes first? Well, we need to... We need to hear the gospel. We need to hear the message. Because if you haven't heard the message, how will you believe? <laughs> the Bible says, how can they hear and believe if they don't have a preacher? They've got to hear the message of truth. 
of God's word, have conviction of sin, have a desire for repentance or turning away from sin. And so they hear the message and believe. We must hear and believe the gospel. Believe the truth. When you believe, you have to say, what do you believe in? You believe in Jesus. We believe in the promises of Christ. We believe in the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin, that makes us white. We want to be made white in the blood of a lamb. And so there is that, that belief, that faith, that trust in Jesus. Believe with the heart, with all the heart, and experience a new heart. Being born again, new desires, a desire to not follow sin anymore, a sincere desire to follow Jesus and do His will, to follow God, to be cleansed by Jesus and empowered by Jesus to live a new life. So that is what needs to precede baptism. Repentance of sin, confessing and forsaking our sin is obviously part of that. The Bible says that people came confessing their sins and were baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. They came confessing their sins because they were convicted of their sins. So we must repent, confess, and forsake our sin, and we need to continue learning the basic truths of God's Word. We need to follow those. We need to believe those. Um, there are some people in the book of Acts, let's take a look real quick at Acts 19, verses 2 through 5. Acts 19, verses 2 through 5, this will answer two questions for us. Acts 19, verses 2 through 5, and this is what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, I'll start with verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So it was the right message, wasn't it? That, that was being preached. It was the gospel message that was being preached by John. It was a baptism of repentance. And unfortunately, they, they missed a big part of the message. They missed the Holy Spirit, that they need to experience the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says that when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So to put this into perspective, as I said a moment ago, we're answering two questions with this. The first question is, what do we need to know before being baptized? Well, we should understand what it means, understand what the commitment means, understand the basic truths of God's Word and who God is and what are we committing to when we follow Jesus. If we're giving our life to Jesus, then we want to understand what does that mean to give our life to Jesus? What does that mean to believe in Jesus? Define it a bit. Clarify who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? Start understanding these essential truths of God's Word. What is God's will? To walk in righteousness. What does righteousness look like? All that stuff should be basically understood. Obviously, there's plenty more we can learn after baptism. We can be baptized and we can still learn more. But we should come with a, with a basic understanding of the relationship and who God is and what He wants for our lives. What does that commitment mean? So the Holy Spirit, unfortunately, they had missed that before. Now, the second question we want to answer with this is, is it ever okay or acceptable for someone to possibly be rebaptized? In other words, baptized again by immersion. Okay, is it is it is it possible that we may at some point have to do that? For some people, yes, they should be baptized again. In most cases, when it comes to marriage, you don't have to be married several times. You just be married once, and that's for the rest of your life, and that's pretty much what it should look like. But there are some situations where it would be appropriate to have what's considered a re-baptism. We see that right here. These people, these men, these disciples, they were baptized by immersion. Even That's the right way. That's a biblical baptism. It's a valid baptism. They were baptized by immersion by John the Baptist. 
It was a baptism of repentance. And we see here that unfortunately they had missed about the Holy Spirit. They hadn't even thought of that. Somehow they missed it. They slipped through the cracks. They didn't know that. They didn't know this part of the experience. And so now that they're understanding what the commitment really means, now that they're understanding what they really need to experience in God, they're saying, wait a second, we missed something pretty big here. We should probably be baptized to make sure that this is according to a true understanding of God and of the commitment, and we want the Holy Spirit to be poured out on us. We want that. So the Bible tells us that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized. So is rebaptism ever, ever something to be done? Yes, there is a case. There, there is a case for rebaptism in the New Testament. Now, they did not deny their experience that they previously had. They had a great experience. They believed, they learned a lot from John, but they didn't really know the whole message that God wanted them to understand. And so according to this new enlightened understanding, they said, ah, we have missed this experience. We really want to be baptized now with a true understanding of it. So there's a very clear reason for it there. Now, also, if somebody had made a commitment previously, maybe in their youth or however it might have been, but for some reason, they did not stay true to that commitment. Maybe they went out and, and just lived in the world and were living a life of sin, then they might want to come back and have a true understanding and make a true commitment to come back to Jesus, to be washed from those sins and say, you know what, I, I, how could I do that? I was living a life away from Christ. I wasn't with Christ. If they understand now that they've made a mistake, somebody wants to come back, maybe that's somebody listening here today, to the message. Um, God is calling you back. God is calling you to come to Him now, to surrender your heart to Him today, to give your life to Jesus today, to be washed and cleansed again, to be made new in Christ, to have all those sins left behind. God is calling you to that decision today if that's your situation. So God wants us to make that commitment and to be fully surrendered to Him. Considering what is needed before baptism, is it ever appropriate to baptize infants? No. If you look at a baby and say, repent, they won't do it. They don't even know what, they don't know what repentance is. Here we have a baby in the room. If I say, if I say repent, what will you say? She's just looking at me. She's not sure what that means. <laughs> okay, so when the Bible says repent and believe the gospel, it means repent. It means we understand to turn away from sin and follow Jesus. So there must be, there must be an understanding. There must be a, a mind and heart that's ready to realize what sin is. Babies don't even know what sin is yet. They don't know how to repent. They, they don't even understand your language yet. So they're learning a lot, but they're not ready for baptism. The Bible says, repent and believe the gospel. You must be able to understand these things before you can take God up on that wonderful offer. Now, that, that has to do with accountability, an age of accountability. Is there a specific age that's defined in the Bible? You know, some people think maybe it's 12 or this age. I don't see in the Bible any specific age, but the Bible does teach us that we need to understand things and we need to be able to make a conscious decision or choice about it. And so that has to be, you know, we have to be able to process that before we can take that, you know, make that decision. You have to be able to make that decision. And it helps to have, have a bit of understanding. Now what's interesting about the life of Jesus is that he was dedicated as a baby by his parents. Is it okay for parents to come and dedicate their children? Jesus was eight days old when he was dedicated at the temple. And that was his parents', parents decision, parents' choice. Later, when Jesus had his own understanding and he knew it was the right time for him to do this, he, of his own decision, did so and was baptized by immersion. Okay? So, baby dedication is okay in the Bible. Baby baptism is never seen in the Bible. And it would not be appropriate 
because again, the baby does not understand what repentance even is or sin even is. And that's very clear in the Bible. A couple final questions before we close our lesson. Is baptism, according to the Bible, is it connected with joining a biblically sound church? Let's take a look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. This is what the Bible says in verse 41. Then, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So here again, we've already read what happened before this. They were told to repent and be baptized. And the Bible says that those who gladly received the word, they were baptized. And it says, the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. Added to who? Well, added to the believers. In other words, when they were baptized, they were added to the existing group of believers. This is exactly what happened. You have a group of believers. They preach the gospel. People respond. People are baptized. They are now added to the group of believers. In other words, the church. They're added to the church. The Bible says in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved or such as were being saved. It's another way to render it. So the Lord was adding to the church. So when we are baptized, when we surrender our life to Jesus, do we become a member of the church of Jesus Christ? Or of the church, simply? Yes. yes. We became a member of the church. We become a member of the body of Christ. Now, another verse on this is 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. The Bible says here, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Now you ask, what is that body? Well, verse 12, just previous, kind of defines that body. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So you have Jesus Christ. He's the head of the body. The body of Christ is the church. The Bible says in verse 13 that we've just read, for by one spirit, that is God's spirit, we are all baptized into one body. And it says that um, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, uh, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. And it says the body, for the body is not one member, but many. So the body is made up of many parts. And the church is described here as the body of Christ made up of many persons, having different gifts, different talents. So when we are baptized, we become part of the church. Now, some people say, well, well, does that mean I have to join a church or like be at a local church or a local congregation? Yes, that's what it means. That's what it means. Because to, be a, to say, well, I'm part of the church, but then you don't connect with the church at all. How are you part of the body? You're like, I want to be part of the body, but not really part of the body. I don't want to, you know, give any talents God gave me to the church. I don't want to support a local belief community. No, that's not right. The Bible says when we're baptized, we become a member of the church, and that is expressed locally. We become part of a local church. And it should be a body of like-minded believers, as we see here in the book of Acts, that the, they had communion together. They had fellowship together. They celebrated the faith together. They studied the Bible together. They prayed together. There is this, this uh, unity and unitedness of the body of Christ, of the church. And so that only happens in, in your local expression of, of the church. Now, obviously, you can go to visit other churches, and if you go live somewhere else, you can transfer your membership to a local church over there. So, so yes, we become part of the body of Christ in a very practical sense. It's not an empty, vague, esoteric, theoretical kind of experience. No, in a very real sense, we become part of the body of Christ, a very real local congregation. The Bible says, by one spirit, we are baptized into one body, which is the church. We become part of the church locally. So, yes, we are baptized, and we become part of a local congregation who believes the Bible 
believes these truths and wants to share and preach and teach these truths. We want to lend our, our abilities, our gifts and talents from the Lord, give it back to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be part of the church and let's work together as a team to make a difference in the world, to share the good news of Jesus. So this is a very important part of baptism. Now, the final question that we have, this is Acts 22 and verse 16, and that is, if I believe the gospel and I receive these truths that the Lord Jesus has shown from his word, and I want the cleansing of Jesus Christ in my life, I want the washing away of my sins, then should I keep waiting? Should I postpone and just delay and not be baptized? What does the Bible say about this? Notice Acts 16 and verse 22. Is it 22? Maybe it's not 22. Sorry, I got that wrong. It's Acts 22 and verse 16. So I just told you the wrong one. So Acts 22 and verse 16. And this was the experience of the Apostle Paul. Well, he became the Apostle Paul. His name before that was Saul, wasn't it? Saul was persecuting the church, but he had a vision experience and God changed his life. He was blinded, he was knocked off of his horse, and he was brought to this place where a Christian was going to come and meet him. That Christian's name was Ananias. Ananias was sent by God from the local church to come and meet Paul. Now, Paul was later to become a very great missionary, but at this point he was a, a Jewish persecutor of the church. And so, when Ananias talked with, with Paul, you see, that's how God works. He brings, he brings new people to the believers. He brings new people to the church, and he says, hey, all right, now commit your life to me and become a part of the church and become active in the church and do something for the kingdom, do something for the kingdom of God. So, verse 16 of Acts 22, it says this, And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So you notice this, the question comes to us, why do you tarry? If you believe the gospel, if you believe the truth in Jesus Christ, why tarry? Why wait? Don't delay. The time is now. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We can't be putting off a surrender to Jesus. We can't be putting off a decision for Jesus. We need to act on that decision and follow the Lord Jesus and be baptized. This is what God is calling us to. And so he says, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Have we talked about that cleansing, being washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb? Yes. It says, Arise and wash away your sins. Again, why baptism is, is so symbolic and significant through immersion under the water and then back up out because it's a complete cleansing away of all of our sins. Wash away your sins through the experience of baptism, which is an act of faith. He says, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. We want to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We want to believe in him. And if anyone hearing this message today is needing to make that decision, I invite you to make that decision. I invite you to surrender your heart to Jesus today. And don't delay, but give your heart to God now. The Bible says today is the day if we hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, but surrender to God, follow the Lord, and do the Lord's will. This is the call of God for our lives. God wants us to make that decision today, that surrender today. Let us not be like the Pharisees who heard the counsel of God, but rejected the counsel of God. Let's be like those who have always surrendered their hearts to God when they heard the voice of God calling. Surrender to the Holy Spirit when God is calling. Do the will of the Lord. Be baptized. The Bible says by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. And so the Lord is calling us today to make that decision if we have not yet made it. And if we have made it, let us renew that commitment to Jesus. Let us say, Lord, today again I give you my heart. Lord, cleanse me, make me white as snow. Lord, renew my heart in you today. This is the experience that God is calling us to. If anyone has any questions, they want some clarity on this, um, I encourage you to talk with me. Reach out to me. If you're listening to the audio, you can send me a text. Um, you can send me a message. And I'd love to talk with you about, about baptism, about your choice to follow Jesus in this. And so praise God that we have this wonderful opportunity. Today is a day if we hear His voice. Let us surrender to God. Amen.
Let us pray together as we finish up our study. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your wonderful love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your transforming power. Lord, we ask that we will be refreshed and renewed in Jesus today, that we will believe the gospel and follow your word. For those, Lord, who are making this decision today to surrender their lives to you in baptism, I pray may you bless each heart as they make this choice, as they make this surrender to you today. Lord, may you bless and guide all of us as we choose to renew our hearts, our commitment to you, and say, Lord, make us fresh and clean and new in Jesus today. Lord, please do this special work in us, and we thank you so much for your blessings all through the power of Christ Jesus, our dear Savior. Thank you so much, Lord, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.